Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Takeout ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major. Fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. Welcome to the midway of the Iowa State Fair. We've come here, taking the show on the road, which you know I love to do, to assess the Republican battle for the nomination. Talk about the indictments of former President Trump, including the most recent one in Georgia. And to start that process, we talked to Iowa's junior Republican Senator, Joni Ernst. The, the fair is huge, and it's a really great opportunity for the presidential candidates to really test the waters, uh, work on their messaging with these Iowa voters, because they're going to be asked a lot of very hard questions while they're here at the fair. But yes, this really is when things start speeding up, and it is it is full speed ahead to caucuses. From now, now. until the caucus. From now until caucuses. From your vantage point, how important is the 99-county commitment for a presidential candidate in Iowa? I think it's pretty darn important because there will be a lot of people that will not be able to travel to the state fair. There are those that are, they're working their jobs, mm-hmm. and they really want to have the opportunity to get out and see that candidate, and to visit with them, shake their hand, ask them questions, look them in the eye. You know, it's kind of like kicking the tires of a car. I mean, you want to see it, you want to touch it, you want to feel it um, before you actually buy it. But you know, people are like, come on, that's such a commitment of time. And there are places that you would go for the 98th, 97th, 99th, Maybe it's maybe 10 or 20 people. Is it really worth it? And you would say it is. I would say it is. Symbolically and genuinely? Both. Um, Senator Grassley has done a 99-county tour for 43 years. Every year, all 99. I am just wrapping up my ninth year of the 99-county tour. So I do think it's important. And certainly we know that 
the presidential candidates, their time is valuable. Sure. But if they can get out to as many counties as possible, it really is appreciated. The sentiment in D.C. is this race is over. Trump has a huge lead and he's not going to lose it. Is that your sense? I would not say that at all. I have. I just had a conversation under the umbrella at the picnic table here with a family and they were talking about, you know, hey, all these candidates, what's your feeling? So they didn't mention the former president at all. I would say that he is polling very well. He has his base. Obviously, he's got a big lead, but we've got many months to go. So we want to we want to hear what the candidates have to say. That's why I don't endorse. I welcome all of those candidates into the state of Iowa because people are interested in hearing their message. Your reaction to the indictment yesterday in Fulton County? You know, I think Iowans are becoming very desensitized to all of these indictments. And I do my county tours, I do town halls at those county tours. And a lot of Iowans are coming back and they're like, what's the deal? They're saying there's one system of justice for President Trump and there's another system of justice for Joe Biden. So they see a disparity there. And so they have gotten to a point now where all they see is the judicial system going after President Trump. They've seen other people in the past that have done very similar, if not the same, types of actions and have gotten away with it. So it's, it's telling. But there is no one else who is January 6th. No, but if you take a look at all of the folks that have denied elections, you take this latest indictment in Georgia, you replace the name Donald Trump and you slide in Stacey Abrams, it's probably very similar. Um, so there, there are a lot of people that are just really angry about this. And the angrier they get about it, the more they want to support Donald Trump. And yet I have encountered people here today who when I ask them, and I try not to put words in their mouth, what they think about the idea of either Trump exhaustion or Trump fatigue, they kind of nod a little bit. Well, I think that's why everybody wants to hear a message from everybody. Do you sense that? Um, I sense frustration is what with I With him sense. or with everything around with the him? With the entire process. Um, so having other candidates come in, share their message, you know, Iowans have that opportunity to decide who they want to support. So again, staying neutral in it, I want to let the Iowa voters make that decision. So President Trump has visited, many of these other candidates are visiting. Everyone has the opportunity to go out and listen to them and say, okay, who's the right person to take the nation forward? Do me a favor, evaluate the former president's comments about Governor Reynolds. I love Kim Reynolds. I love her. I think she is one of the most fantastic governors, if not the best governor in the United States of America today. She is a dear friend. And of course, anyone who says something about the governor is going to have my ire. Um, so she is an incredible person. She has led our economy, um, school choice efforts, you name it. Kim Reynolds has been at the forefront of all Unwise that. of the former president to I think take that after was her? A, I think that was a slip up on his part. Um, Kim is beloved by so many Iowans here. Uh, and she is a phenomenal leader. So Mike Huckabee didn't become the Republican nominee. Rick Santorum did not become the Republican nominee. Ted Cruz did not become the nominee. All one Iowa. Will Iowa matter more in 2024 than the previous times? Iowa always matters because we always have such a large field at the beginning of the caucus season. 
because we are first in the nation caucus. We have the opportunity to highlight those candidates and then the field will start to narrow. The beauty about Iowa is that people are well educated on the issues here and it really is a low cost state when yeah, sure. it comes to getting your message out. And so you do have some of those lesser known candidates that are able to, to get a little bit of fame and get their message out and it's important. So I encourage everybody come to Iowa, share your message, get your start here. You walked around with Tim Scott today. Tell me what you yeah, observed and what you absorbed watching his interaction here at the fair. Okay, the entire time I was with Tim Scott, I didn't hear a single negative comment from the bystanders. He was actively engaging with all of uh, the folks along the streets, in the cattle barns, you name it. He was engaging with everyone and they were engaging right back. He just is warm and friendly and just has this disposition of hope. People feel good being around him. And so it was really wonderful to be with him and, and just see how he interacts with the crowd. Not to endorse, but someone to keep an eye on? I think somebody to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, he's a dear colleague in the Senate. My experience in Iowa is things really start to turn after Thanksgiving. That's when Iowans start yeah. to really begin to make their choices. Is right. that about right? Is that your perspective? It, it is. So, so we're anything really, before then we're really is, gearing is a little... up. Well, I say from here on out, um, because you see such active uh, participation here at the Iowa State Fair with all of those candidates, I think people are really paying attention. They see it on the news. Mm -hmm. They hear the interviews. Everyone's already advertising. And they are actively engaged at this point going forward. It is going to move very quickly now. And of course, the candidates will be spending time in New Hampshire yep. and South Carolina, some of these other early states. So they need to be able to spread their news or the message here in Iowa and also continue to do well in other states as they pop up. Finish this sentence for me. Donald Trump loses Iowa and... And that's a big surprise. <laughs> Yes. Please continue. Please continue. The ramifications I, I, of that would be? I still think that I don't see that happening. You don't? I still, I still think he has a, a very strong base here in Iowa. Um, but I think that you have other candidates that will also perform exceptionally well. All right, finish this here sentence. Here in Iowa. Donald Trump wins Iowa and? And you see a number of other Republican candidates that will start to narrow down, but we will still have a number, probably about four or five really top contenders that will continue to, to make their breakthrough. Our thanks to Senator Joni Ernst. When we come back, a conversation with a Republican candidate who was here at the Iowa State Fair, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. 
Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome back to The Takeout. Happy sounds around me. Iowa State Fair here in Des Moines. So we chatted with Asa Hutchinson, former Arkansas governor, and we asked him first off about the news of the week, the latest indictment against former President Trump in the Georgia election case. Well, what's frustrating is that uh, the public's going to respond in a divided way. Uh, you're going to see uh, those that believe it's uh, a victimization of uh, Donald Trump, and he's going to play into that. They're going to see uh, the justice system not working. And then you're going to have another half that say, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, we've waited too long. Why didn't this happen before? So it reflects division in our country. And as someone who supports our justice system and the rule of law, that concerns me. Confidence is critical. How do you see it? How do I see that case? Yes. Well, uh, first of all, the cases that have been brought against Donald Trump uh, are serious, except for the New York indictment. Okay. Uh, they're serious and they address fundamental issues of our democracy. Uh, and so uh, he ought to be held accountable. I've said that uh, he's morally accountable. The question now is whether he's criminally accountable. Now, I could get into a few weeds there as to the Georgia indictment, which we still need to, to read. I think the two key cases are the classified information, the national security protection, and then the uh, January 6th, uh, and which are both federal cases. And generally, state cases are deferential yep. uh, to the federal case that we brought. And I think you make a case that Georgia should have been deferential because some there's overlap there as well. Uh, but it is what it is. And uh, I said over a year ago, over a year ago, that Donald Trump should withdraw from the race because of what he is facing. And if you put our country first, then that's exactly what you would do. And that case is only made stronger with every uh, indictment and case that is brought against him. What do you think the probability is of him dropping out? Well, uh, I think it's nigh unto zero, but I would say that uh, there's probably going to be some challenges under the 14th Amendment. Have you read about that? I have. Are and you persuaded by that? I, I am persuaded that it is another issue that should yeah. keep him from the presidency, that could keep him from the presidency. And this is uh, the 14th Amendment that mm -hmm. disqualifies uh, an official from being president if you've engaged in insurrection. And uh, we've had... Uh, Two Federalist scholars have said it applies unequivocally. Conservatives have said that, conservative scholars, which means it will be tested in court. There will be a separate lawsuit that will challenge his qualifications. This is coming. And well, I'm predicting that right. it's coming. 
And so it's going, that's going to happen, which will be another point of litigation. And so the voters in Iowa is going to, are going to have to decide who our nominee is going to be with a question as whether they are qualified. I've said that he's disqualified himself from a moral leadership standpoint. Now it looks like there's going to be a question as to whether he's disqualified from a constitutional standpoint. Mike Huckabee won here, Rick Santorum won here, Ted Cruz won here, none of them became the nominee. Is Iowa going to be different in its impact this time, and if so, why? Well, clearly Trump is very strong here in Iowa. And so it's really up to the voters as to whether they move away from Donald Trump. Uh, and, and that remains to be seen. Uh, what do you sense? I, I sense that there is a movement that we need to move away from him. And I believe that the polls are reflecting a default position right now where we haven't decided about who's the best alternative. So as a default, we'll plug in Donald Trump. But I think they're absolutely open to an alternative. Is there something about the poll numbers that look like a mirage to you? Just the fact that uh, they're not reflecting what I see on the ground here in Iowa. What do you need to do to catapult yourself? Well, uh, the debate is important. And secondly, it's spending every day in Iowa that I can because people need to get to know me. Uh, I'm, I'm not as known as the other candidates. My record's not as known. The breadth of experience is not as known. My commonness is not as known. And that's an important part of it as well. So I want Iowa to know me. I want New Hampshire to know me. When you say commonness, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I'm probably the only candidate that lived in a double-wide mobile home. I'm probably a Actually lived. Yeah, yeah. So my wife and I had uh, wonderful years in a, in a mobile home uh, raising our kids. And to go from a mobile home into the governor's mansion is a pretty cool American story. Uh, but that's common. Uh, the fact that I you know, had to hitchhike across America uh, to uh, date my uh, future bride because I couldn't afford to put gas in the car, that's an American story in a day when you could actually uh, do that. Uh, and so it's Meaning a common hitchhike. background. Meaning back in that day you could hitchhike. Yeah, you safely. could hitchhike. I certainly wouldn't encourage it today. Uh, it was a little bit risky then, but it was necessary. You know, the fact that I've worked in factory jobs, you know, I've, I've been a common laborer. And so I understand uh, whenever you're looking at Social Security reform, uh, you know, you want to lower the ages, but someone's back's not going to hold up if they're doing construction work until they're, uh, until they're 70. Uh, and so I understand those issues that Americans face. Let me, let me emphasize that point that I addressed earlier, though. I just want to focus on uh, the policy initiative in which we, I want to have a state-based visa program in which the federal government partners with the states to identify their workforce needs and they could partner with us in terms of security. Uh, I think that's an important message for how I would conduct uh, the White House. So for California, that's agricultural workers primarily. In Arkansas, it might be different. In Iowa, it's a different mix. Is that what you mean? That's right. Uh, you know, and they could decide not to participate, uh, that they have enough workers within their system. But it gives the states a partnership in this, an investment in it, and a control over it. And to me, that's the essence of federalism. It could be biotech workers. It could, it could be ag workers. It, it could be uh, healthcare workers. Uh, and uh, everyone knows that we need those, but the states can determine their needs and what they want to focus on and we can partner with them. Right now, we're dependent on employers uh, to set that standard. 
I trust states and that partnership that we can have. So what would you say to someone who might ask you, so we need 50 separate immigration bureaucracies? Well, that's up to the states. Well, what you would do, of course, you're reducing the federal bureaucracy whenever you're doing that, first of all. That's the game plan, mm -hmm. is that you're, you're partnering with the states, that they can administer that, they can do it more effectively, efficiently, and uh, we would count, we would make sure that the security requirements that were in place as well. Congress would have to enact this, but this is a bold idea on immigration reform that makes sense for today. How comfortable are you with governors busing migrants out of their states to other places like Chicago, Washington, D.C., New York, flying them even to Martha's Vineyard. Are you comfortable with that? Whenever, well, first of all, I'm not comfortable with the lack of coordination and cooperation and partnership with our governors. The first thing I would do as president would be to call our governor, border state governors, in and I would meet with them, Democrat and Republicans, and say, let's work together and not in opposition to each other. Uh, and, and so I think that's a, an important part of the ingredient. But are you comfortable with telling people they're going to get something and they get on a bus and they think they're going to find something and it's not there? No, of course you never want there to There are humanitarian mislead. implications of this, aren't there? There, there are. And so uh, I think that Governor Abbott has done a, an important service in uh, showcasing the challenge that he faces and he's actually moving migrants in a very similar fashion that the federal government is moving migrants. So um, he's doing that. I obviously have problems with a showboating in which uh, uh, a governor takes migrants from another state and moves them that have no connection uh, with their home state. Please do us a favor and name the governor well, we're you're talking, talking about, about. Florida. That made no sense to me. Governor DeSantis. Yeah, that's showboating. That's showboating. And uh, I think Governor Abbott has approached that in a much more serious way. Appreciate it, Governor. Good All luck. Right. Safe travels. Our thanks to Governor Hutchinson. When we come back, the Democratic perspective. You know on the show we like to have both sides when we can. And we're going to do that here at the Iowa State Fair. We're going to talk to the state chair of the Democratic Party, Rita Hart, someone who knows a little bit about Iowa Democratic politics and quite a bit about very close elections. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to The Takeout. I'm Major Garrett. You know how much I love to take this show on the road. Delighted to be here in Des Moines at the Iowa State Fair. That's the musical interlude you sort of hear around me. The midway here. We talked to Rita Hart, who is the chair of the state Democratic Party. She lives in rural Iowa. She's a farmer and an educator. 
And we asked her about not only will Iowa in some way, shape or form keep its first in the nation status in the Democratic nominating process, President Biden is against that, and lots of other issues. Here, Rita Hart. So let me ask you about why I've always come to Iowa, Republican caucuses and Democratic caucuses, because the Iowa was always for both parties at the front of the line. It's no longer at the front of the line for the Democratic Party, at least not according to President Biden's wishes. What's the status of Iowa's place in the calendar in 2024? So yeah, it was disappointing that we um, were not in that first uh, of the nation uh, status here because states like Iowa are important. We're in the middle of the, of the country. There, there are no states in the central time zones or the mountain time zones that are now in that, that first window. And it's really important because um, rural states like Iowa um, and Iowa has traditionally always done a great job of vetting these candidates, right? They, they get in front person to person. They're educated voters. They ask tough questions. And, you, and candidates can come to the state and run these campaigns and do it very affordably. So it gives the entire nation an opportunity to really um, do a good job of vetting these candidates and get the best people to run for the office. But as you know, Rita Hart, chair of the Iowa Democratic Party, you had a huge snafu at the caucuses in 2020. That, well, well, that's one of the we, reasons. Okay. The, the party did. It yes. didn't work well. The results took, for hour, took hours. It was a kind of a spectacular failure on the national stage. You've recovered from that, I gather. Well, and absolutely. You're going to do it differently whenever the calendar allows Iowa to go. Oh, absolutely. I think that we're excited about uh, this next this next caucus experience. We, for the first time, um, are going to have an opportunity to have more people participate in the caucus than, than we've ever had. What's going to be different? I know the answer, but tell everyone. So, so we're going to have our in-person caucuses, and we're going to do our party business, but we're going to have a mail-in process for a presidential selection. So people will have the opportunity to, to ask for a presidential selection card, receive it in the mail, and return it. And that's going to allow people that have never been able to participate before, people who work third shift, fire, fires and police officers, and people with small children who can't get child care, people who are living with disabilities. This is really going to give everyone an opportunity to have a voice. So it be more like a primary? It is not like, it is a more like a mail-in caucus. Got it, okay. Right? That's, that is exactly what it is. And when is it going to be? Well, the, right now, we, we're disappointed. <laughs> That's the million-dollar question. When is it going to be? <laughs> yeah, so I think we're getting close. Um, the Republicans um, came up with their date right. of January 15th. They did not um, include us in that conversation, unfortunately. It's kind of um, surprising to me that they didn't since we've been doing this for years. However, um, and January 15th is Martin Luther King's holiday, which I think is a, is a bit problematic that, that they're say, setting a date on Martin Luther King's national holiday. This is a, a party that has done a lot of things to restrict people's voting opportunities. And so to do that in honor of Martin Luther King seems wrong to many people. So I've been having conversations, particularly with our black leadership across the state. This is an, uh, this is a, an issue that has to be voted on by our central committee, which will be happening in September. Um, but I think that there's probably a way to um, to um, have that still happen on January 15th. But we'll we'll see how the conversations go. But if you have it on January 15th, you'll be sanctioned, won't you, by the National Party? Well, again, you know, who knows what will happen, and hopefully we can resolve this in a in a kindly fashion. So you're still keeping hope alive that. I was going to go first and not South Carolina. The president wants South Carolina to go first. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, there's, there's a lot of um, uncertainty here, right? It's not a done deal. 
these states are still moving around. We're trying to be as flexible as we can with our plan. We're working with the DNC to make sure that, that we have some options and that we're able to do that in a, in a um, sensible way. As state Democratic chair, you keep track of the Republican conversation. Is Trump ahead by as much as the poll numbers indicate? Boy, I, I'm not a pollster. Um, I, can only, sense of it? I, I can only tell you that he, is, he remains very popular here in Iowa. Um, and I think that's probably true across the country. Um, so um, I'm more focused on the fact that we've got to get a message out that people understand that President Biden deserves another four years, that he has done so many things to improve Iowans' lives. There's 2,000 and some projects that are going up across the state of Iowa, thanks to President Biden, thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, thanks to the Infrastructure Act. These are things that make a difference in people's lives. Child care centers, recreational opportunities, green energy, all kinds of projects that are really, truly going to make a difference in Iowans' lives. That's what Iowans care about, is that, they, that there are things that are happening as a result of this administration that are truly helpful to their daily lives. What does it mean to you when you see, as I do, national polling data that shows somewhere between 40, sometimes 44 percent of self-identified Democrats saying they'd rather he not run for re-election. Again, these are, the, we're early on. People are, you know, trying to come to grips with who would be the ideal candidate, right, with no flaws. And this is, this is a candidate. Like he always says, don't judge me against the almighty, yes. judge me against yeah, the alternative. exactly right, right? There's, there's so, so honestly, you tell me that you don't encounter any Democrats who say, will he be fit for the job four years from now at his advanced age? There's no uncertainty about that at all. You don't encounter anyone that's nervous about that. I, I'm not hearing that from my folks. Um, I think what they, again, what they're concerned about is, can we win this election? And their concern is mainly about, can we save our democracy, right? Because they're seeing that this overreach by the Republican Party and these candidates that are coming through the state of Iowa are, are you know, they're, they're making the case for us, right? They're talking about um, total bans on abortion. Um, they're talking about book bans. They're talking about taking away um, benefits for, or taking away the um, Medicare and Social Security um, benefits. These are things that are not only deeply unpopular, but unworkable for Iowans. And so that's what I think people are most concerned about is, are we going to win this election and save our democracy? You know something about a very close election, do you not? Yes, I do. Explain to my audience what your personal experience with a very close election has been. Yeah, so I ran in 2020, and it, um, I wasn't expecting it to turn out this way, but it ended you up... You ran for a House race. Excuse me, for the, for the U.S. House race. and. Uh, it ended up being one of the closest races in all of United States history, if not the closest. Six votes. Six votes, yes, out of 400,000. And you lost. Well, <laughs> yes, I did. Um, however, um, we never got to a complete recount. And, and again, that was a, a real problem because when you're in such a very tight race, there's human errors. I don't... I'm not saying that there was anything um, illegal or that anybody did anything. There was no malfeasance. There was nothing like that going on. It was just such a tight race that um, to have the ability to look at each ballot to determine who people really intended to vote for um, was very important in a situation like that. And you acted in a way that 
represented your constituents, those who voted for you, and for your own approach to that race, but you didn't denounce your opponent, you didn't denounce the system, you didn't say everything was rigged, rigged. or stolen or anything no. like that. How did you process that individually, and what do you think is the importance of absorbing a close loss in American political life? It is really hard to lose because, as you're saying, you know, it's not just you that's running. It's all the people that believe in you, that believe in your campaign, that know that if you get elected, that you're going to make a difference in the way they want you to make a difference. So it's really important that we get it right. And so when it, it was that close, and uh, it was important that we get it right, and then we were not able to, that was really hard to take. But having said all of that, nobody argues that that race, that, that anybody did anything illegal or wrong. And so there comes a time when you have to say, well, for it's the over. good of the country, it's for over. the good of the state, it's over. Does it gall you to watch former President Trump talk about the 2020 race the way he does? Well, I think it is obviously um, a situation where it's over, and it's been over, and that people need to move on. Our thanks to Rita Hart. Next, when we come back, a conversation with one of the most important leaders among Iowa evangelical Republicans. And as you'll hear, they will make up a very large percentage of likely Iowa caucus turnout in January. His name is Bob Vanderplatz. That's coming up on the other side of this break. I'm Major Garrett. This is the takeout from the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to The Takeout. Welcome back to the Iowa State Fair. So, in the history, the recent history of Iowa caucus results for Republicans... Mike Huckabee won, Rick Santorum won, Ted Cruz won. What do all three of them have in common? They won because they had very large support from evangelical Christians here in Iowa. So that voting constituency is enormously important. And one of the people who speaks not only to that constituency, but in some cases for it, is a guy named Bob Vanderplatz. And we talked to him about where the race stands now, where it's likely heading, and whether or not those evangelical voters here in Iowa will have as much pull in 2024 as they have in the past. So let's give my audience just a sense of the evangelical vote in Iowa. How large is it? What percentage do you imagine it will make up of the caucus attendees come January 2024? Well, it's a very important lane for the Iowa caucuses. Uh, our best estimate would be about 63% of the Iowa caucuses will be an evangelical-based vote. 
2016 when Trump was supposed to win by five and Cruz won by four, a nine point swing, in large part was there was a surge of evangelical voters. 50,000 new evangelical voters turned out to the Iowa caucuses in 2016. So it's a very important lane. And how would you say they are assessing this race right now? I would say they're exceptionally wide open. First of all, with the former president, they're very thankful for a lot of things he did, from a vibrant economy, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, standing up for the sanctity of human life, the appointment of three justices. But that being said, I think they really believe he presents the highest hurdle of winning in 2024. So therefore, they're looking at DeSantis, Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Mike Pence. It's a good field, and they're kicking the tires right now. That's what they do in August prior to the caucuses. When they ask you what you believe, what do you tell them? I tell them, first of all, I'm, I'm a friend to the former president, been a friend to him for over a decade. And I just really believe that America's at the point where they want to turn the page. Turn the page, not just on Joe Biden, but they want to go to the next generational leader, somebody with a vision for the future versus a complaint about the past. And so therefore, we're very wide open too of taking a look at who could be that standard bearer who could not only win the nomination, but win the general as well. What is former President Trump's biggest flaw in your eyes and in the eyes of evangelical Christians here in Iowa? I, I would say his biggest flaw, his biggest hurdle is that there's just an exhaustion level of saying whether it's one indictment, two indictments, three indictments, four indictments, this constant cloud, whether it's the election of 2020 or some other thing that keeps it popping up, they really want to be focused on the future of America versus constantly debating this stuff. So I think that's where they're saying, let's turn the page. Let's go to that next generational leader who excites us about a vision for America. Do you intend to endorse in this race? And if so, when? You know, I do plan on endorsing. And I always say I'd like to stay out of it, but that's not my nature. Uh, so I've endorsed in the last three. I would say somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas is probably where I will try to weigh in. All of our events will be done by then. I have a front row seat, and I think part of leadership is letting your followers know what did you assess, you know, what do you see. You have an event in November that's going to be pretty important, will it not? Well, yes, the event in November. We just had one in July, the Leadership Summit. Lots of, everyone came here, almost yeah. everyone. Except for the former president. Uh, 2,200 evangelical voters, 150 media outlet. Um, and now we're going to have the Presidential Family Forum the weekend prior to Thanksgiving. We'll gather the candidates around the Thanksgiving table. This isn't about bashing each other at the Thanksgiving table. It's about discussing the future of the country collectively, and then we're gonna to try to assess who's best prepared at this time to lead. You know as well as I do, Bob, the tea leaf readers in Washington believe you're all in for DeSantis. Sure they do. And the reason they think I'm all in for DeSantis is that right now DeSantis is probably the clear front runner to be the alternative to Trump. What I have said is we need to find an alternative that we can gather around that will unite the party. So if that's DeSantis in August, the question is going to be, is that DeSantis in November? I think Vivek Ramaswamy would say he believes he's got a shot. I think Nikki Haley would say, Tim Scott, Mike Pence would all say, no, they have a case to be made. And I try to read our followers, our supporters, our base before I weigh in on an endorsement. Who's really energizing them? And there are two schools of thought about Ron DeSantis. One. He got off to a terrible start, and that terrible start is fatal. The other is he got off to a bad start, campaigns can rebound, and he is building a ground game in Iowa. Which one do you think is more tr closely aligned to the truth? The I, believe, truth. I, I believe Governor DeSantis has come out with a very solid start. Matter of fact, really? I, I, I do, and I think it would have been a problem 
had he ascended right away and peaked, I don't know if he could have sustained it. What he needs to do now is grind this thing out, the 99 counties that he's gonna be doing, building that grassroots organization, announcing 99 county chairs, announcing key endorsements. He needs to be built for last. The grind will serve him well long-term. And right now he's got a lot to rest on with all the results he's done in Florida as governor, in particular turning it from a toss-up state to winning overwhelmingly in 2022. Joni Ernst told me yesterday, the Republican senator here, that she believes Trump will win Iowa. I don't believe that to be the case. I, I, here's what I believe. I believe Trump has got 25 to 30, maybe 35% of support that's gonna go for him. The accounting teacher in me says, that means he's got 65% or 75% looking for an alternative to him. If there's a leader that can coalesce that support, I think Trump is tailor-made to get defeated here. And I think that's how crucial Iowa is this go around. If Trump gets beat here, I think it's game on of a nomination. If Trump wins here, I think he runs the table to the nomination. Evaluate Trump's spat with the sitting governor, Kim Reynolds. Not helpful at all. Matter of fact, I'm not sure why he would do that. And he's not only done it once, questioning her loyalty, but then coming to the state fair here last week, Saturday, and not sitting down for a fair side chat. Governor Reynolds is the most popular governor in my lifetime, in, in, the, state of, in the state of Iowa. They love her. I, she wants to make it an open, fair playing field for all. But said if, she's not going to endorse, right. and Trump has said that's an act of disloyalty. Yeah. But, however, if she gets in and endorses somebody other than Trump, that is not beneficial to Trump. That could have a galvanizing effect. Huge galvanizing effect. I think she is the best suited politician to really put a thumb on the scale if she chooses to do that. You talked about your accounting background. Let's do the math. I did the math in 2016. Everyone did it. Yeah. 30 to 35%, then you have the 65%, but if you divide 65 by seven, yep. Trump wins. Exactly. And so what it is, is that there needs to be a coalescing, there's no doubt. When does we, that need to happen? I think it needs to happen early, but I think a candidate with these type of numbers available, 65 to 75%, if they show they're the ones to coalesce, I think you could see them coalesce 40 plus percent in the Iowa caucuses. And I think would give a message to the other candidates and the rest of the country, who's the clear alternative to Trump. Before I let you go, when your members tell you that they are exhausted, what does that really mean? It, I think it really means the name calling. From uh, Trump. From, from Trump, the, the constant, you know, under this cloud of investigation for everything. Some of them, that they would say, that makes me more loyal to the president. But for those who are exhausted by it, they just want good principal leadership for this country that's bold and courageous. That's what they're looking for. Anyone who we haven't talked about that is doing surprisingly well in your, well, first from of all, your vantage point? First of all, we have a good field. Nikki, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Tim Scott. Vivek Ramaswamy might be the most surprising. 37 years old, he's first run at any office, and people like his message a lot. You think he's going to have a moment? I think he may have a moment. But I think Tim Scott may have a moment. I think Pence may have a moment. Nikki Haley may have a moment. DeSantis may have a moment. They Bob, need to you know there are only that so, momentum. You know there are only so many yep. moments to go around. <laughs> Bob Vanderplatz, I appreciate the time and your expertise. Thanks so much. Our thanks to Bob Vanderplatz and all the guests who appeared with us here at the Iowa State Fair. I'm Major Garrett. This concludes the takeout. Stay tuned for the takeout outtake especial because there you will hear the voices of Iowa Republicans who told us what they thought about where the race stands now and where it might be heading for the Republican nomination. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to your takeout outtake especial. I'm Major Garrett coming to you from the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines. So happy to be here, so happy to take the show on the road. So one of the things we did here is we talked to Iowans, Republicans, who are likely to participate in January's caucuses. We talked about a half dozen. All of them said they are interested in this race, intend to caucus in January. And so we asked them, what are your thoughts about where this race stands five months away from those caucuses? Do you have any thoughts on former President Trump? I think some of his ideas should be incorporated, but he got just a little bit too radical. Um, and I, th I think that uh, we could use some of his his uh, ideas, but not quite so, you know, uh, exciting. Uh, I don't know what word I want to use there, uh, but uh, we got to tone it down just a little bit. But yet, we've got to become more uh, more aggressive in a nice way mm. uh, to the world. So in Washington, people write stories about Trump fatigue or Trump exhaustion. Would you put yourself in that category? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. You're not, but yeah. but it doesn't sound like you're totally exhausted. You're just slightly exhausted. Right. But you are yep. definitely looking for an alternative. Yeah. Yeah. And I hey, there's no doubt he's been treated and mistreated by the left. I mean, they've Trump has. Yeah, they've targeted him all the way, and it hasn't been fair. But I, I think it's time for something new. So you've got a Tim Scott button on. Does that mean you're going to caucus for Tim Scott, or you're just thinking about it? Thinking about it, leaning more towards yes. Okay, okay. How come? I just like his ideas. He seems very level-headed, seems to want to unite the country. Um, I listened to his talk with Governor Reynolds and just really a fan of everything he has to say. Any thoughts on former President Trump? I, I do like him as well. You do? I do. Would you... Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So when you think about this race and you think about Trump and Scott, how do you think about that? I think that it would be nice to see them run together. No matter what, I'll vote for the Republican candidate. And that does it from the Iowa State Fair. It's been a pleasure to be here. Hope you enjoyed the show. Lots of different perspectives. I know we're a ways away from the Iowa caucuses, but it's good. It's been very good for this show and for me to get an earful, which I certainly did. Oh, and by the way, I got a mouthful at the fair also. We won't get into that. We'll see you next week, folks. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. 
Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.